Welcome to the Harmony and Healing Project, where we bring you strategies and tools that teenagers and their parents can use to improve their mental health, along with powerful emotive music that will also enhance and improve your mental health. So join in, share with the teenager and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Harmony and Healing Project. I'm really excited to have you here. Um, I'm going to start out with a song called Someday Soon. It's a song that I wrote during a difficult time and it helped me through difficult times and I know that it will help you. Um, It's a song that will inspire you to keep going no matter what to keep putting one, fo- for one foot in front of the other, because when you do that someday soon, you're going to hit those goals. You're going to get um, your, your dreams. You're going you're gonna to see um, success. So enjoy. And, um, and after that, we are going to hear from Claire McPherson. So she's someone who's had a huge impact on me since I started my own business. She's a coach. She started out as a teacher and then she became a coach and has also done some work around mindset. So I'm really hoping that you get um, a lot from the conversation we're going to have. And we are talking about journaling. That's what today's strategy is. So grab your teenager (laughs) and get ready to have a blast.
Welcome to Skills for Mental Health. Today I have with me Claire McPherson, who is a mother and a coach. I will let her introduce herself in a little while, but um, it's such an honor to have her here with me. She's had an amazing impact on my journey as a musicpreneur. Um, so I'm just really glad to have her chatting about skills for mental health with us today. Claire, thank you so much for being here. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, yeah, thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. Um, I am Claire McPherson. I'm the Wealth Alchemist. Um, so I do a number of different things. I've been coaching uh for what feels like forever. I began probably about 16 years ago um, after I had my first son. Um, and the coaching that I do has kind of grown and developed over time. So to begin with, it was all about mindset. It was all about mental health. It was all about how our internal world creates our external world and how can, we can take back a little bit of control over that. And then over the years, um, my business has kind of changed and evolved. But I am so passionate about about our mindset, about how we think, because how we think impacts how we feel and how we feel impacts the action that we take and literally the life that we get to live for ourselves. And I certainly know that for me, I always, um, I was someone who struggled with my mental health. You know, I wasn't just this kind of person who was like, boom, the cup is always full. Uh, so it was when I first began coaching, a huge part of choosing to begin that journey was because I wanted to be able to work on me. I wanted to try and, you know, learn things that could help me feel happier and more balanced. And I guess probably at the time, the word that I would have used was more in control of my life. Um, and so there's that aspect. And then, yes, as you say, I've got three gorgeous kids, um, two boys and a girl, 17, 16 and 10. And they're all just about to have birthdays. Um, so like so I'm passionate about it from like both perspectives, from my own experience and and really how the inner work has allowed me to completely transform my life. You know, even even five years ago, let alone 10 years ago or 20 years ago, I didn't imagine that I would build the business that I have now. I feel so, I often use the word lucky and it's funny, isn't it? Because it's like, mm. yes, there's some luck, but I also worked and, I, yeah. you know, I created this on purpose. It didn't just like happen by mistake. But, you know, I have built a seven figure business that I absolutely love. I have a gorgeous family. Like I feel, yeah, I'm, I'm so deeply in gratitude for the life that I have now. And the truth is that as a teenager, I was so scared about life. I, I honestly, I was petrified that I was going to fail at life, that I was going to screw it all up, that I would have nothing, that I would be this big failure. And um, yeah, it, it, I remember my teenagers, well, there was parts of it that were a heck of a lot of fun, but there were parts of it that were really dark and difficult. Um, and so, yeah, I think that talking about mental health, talking about mindset, talking about how we feel um, and helping uh, teenagers and young adults kind of understand that like we all feel like that. It might look like we've got it all sorted, <laughs> but I yeah. think we all go through those times where we really feel like it's not, no matter how successful a person is. So yeah, that's yes. me. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Amazing. Already a lot of really good nuggets there. Um, but let me talk a little bit about why I started this in the first place. So many of you know that I'm a pediatrician, but I'm also a music business coach and I'm a recording artist as well. And I always love <laughs> killing multiple birds with one stone. So I came up with this idea of bringing all that I'm doing together. So I am using this as a preventive program or resource for kids around mental health that families could use with their kids. Um, but I'm also going to be releasing some songs around mental health in the year 2024. So um, I think that's just amazing um, because it will all be a resource that's well-rounded, that's cohesive. And I'm going to be bringing lots of experts on to talk about different skills that we can use for our mental health. But of also, um, I will be, um, we will be going from skill to skill and we'll be trying to get this out into the, into the community through you, through you spreading the word, through, um, 
whatever avenues are available. So if you know um, a community center, a um, someone who works with teenagers, anyone like that, that you think this would be a great resource for them, um, will you send me an email? I'm gonna put my email in the chat below um, so we can get this out to the people that need them, okay? Um, so today we're gonna talk about the skill of journaling. But before we do that, Claire, can you tell me your take on what the state of mental health for our young adults and teenagers currently is in the country today? Well, I think we know from a statistical perspective that there's a real issue with mental health in teens right now. We know that after the pandemic, and probably also with you know the global warming kind of um, narrative that's happening everywhere, I think that there's huge pressure on kids. There's huge fear in kids, and it's like, what is tomorrow going to bring? Um, I think that also a lot of today's teenagers missed out on some of those years of just going out and having fun and you know learning like give like being kids right because of lockdowns and other things so I think there's a huge amount going on add on top of that social media um mm. like there's, there's just a, a million things and you know even going back to when I was a teenager it was hard enough then <laughs> um so I think being a teenager is not easy anyway anytime <laughs> um, and it comes with a huge amount of challenges and I think when you start adding on top of that just things that are happening in the world right now um, yeah I think it's huge and I think that it's not surprising that there are lots of um, lots of kids lots of teenagers lots of young adults who are really 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 suffering with their mental health yeah yeah absolutely I mean it's a huge part of my work um, I see uh, lots and lots of teenagers come through the emergency department from various, um, for various reasons. Um, and a lot of it is to the point where they've either tried to take an overdose or tried to um, end their lives for various reasons. And the reason why I'm passionate about doing a resource like this is I think we in the community need to take a little bit more ownership of how we can help our youths and young adults because for some reason we know that this is a huge problem currently but from what i hear from the patients i see they don't they, they don't think that they can talk to people out in the community mm -hmm. essentially it's like we've missed an opportunity to help them before it even comes to the point where they're in hospital. Mm -hmm. um, for some reason, they find it hard to talk to their parents, which is understandable to a certain extent. Yeah. Some people don't want to worry their parents, but it's just sad that they don't feel they can trust anyone in their lives to talk about their mental health. I just find that really disheartening um, because I'm pretty sure they come in contact with adults over and over again in school, various places. Mm -hmm. um, what can we do to present ourselves as a resource for these kids? Mm -hmm. As you were saying that, the thing that came to mind is like it takes a community to raise a child. Mm -hmm. And I think that we've lost a lot of that, right? I think that there's a lot of small families single parents raising children and feeling like they're having to do it alone so the pressure is not just on the kids the pressure is also on the adult and as you just said the dynamic parent-child relationship is so different and so varied that you know children don't and teens don't always feel like their parent is a person that they can go to not necessarily because they don't feel loved or supported, but maybe they just don't want to put that pressure on their parents or they feel like they're a failure and so don't want to share it. Or or it might be that they don't have parents that will listen. And uh, there's a million reasons, right? But but we know that it can be really hard, no matter what that dynamic is, for kids to speak to their parents. And 
So that's one thing. But I really think that part of what what needs to be the focus is how we build communities so that kids know that they have a bigger pot of people that they can go and talk to, especially now that extended families aren't so, you know, a lot of families aren't these big extended families like they were 40 years ago and there was like 10, 10 kids and a load of aunties and a load of uncles. So there was someone somewhere in that that you could find. Like so often that's not the case now. Families are often so much smaller. Um, yes. And so I think we need to think about what are the communities that we build around us that, that we can create, that we can be part of, both for the kids and for the parent, because the parent needs support as well. Because if you're a parent going through it, it's like, how do I how do I help my child? What do I do? And that can feel so lonely and so difficult as well. I certainly know that I've had conversations with parents through the years where the kids have been going through difficult times. And they felt so much pressure and so lost and so scared to do the wrong thing. And so I think the idea of community is really important in helping people feel like they have places to go to and not just places like the doctor or a helpline, but actual real people where you can go and sit down and they can say, come in, have a cup of tea, let's talk about this they can have a cry they can have a hug like we can do just that like real human connection thing and yes. I think that's I, I just think that's huge I think it's really huge absolutely I agree I think we can certainly have these conversations um each of us can look around us for a teenager or someone that we come in contact with regularly mm -hmm. um and sort of over time build up some sort of relationship with them, but most importantly, have conversations. Um, how are you? How are you really? <laughs> you yeah, know, because, yeah. um, I get over and over again that people walk on eggshells around mental health. It, it's actually a little bit ironic because many people are afraid of making it worse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're trying to pick their words, you're trying to be really gentle. I mean, yeah. even at work, there is a bit of a pattern that I see where people just cover the medical side of things. They ask all the right questions, they collect the history, but they don't really offer any sort of advice. And yeah. they just leave it for the mental health team to do that. That's another missed opportunity there. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and I, I think part of that is because we're taught actually to be scared of emotions, right? We're taught that emotions are these big, scary things and we shouldn't feel anger, we shouldn't feel hate, we shouldn't feel sadness, we shouldn't feel depression, that it's something to like back away from it because, whoa, like those feelings, when actually all our feelings are so important. And if we, like from the get, if we could like rub the slate clean, and this is one of the things I feel so passionate about is if we could change how people think about feelings, it would make such a big difference because we'd stop being scared because it's actually, I believe it's actually okay to open up a conversation and to feel angry in that conversation, to feel triggered in that conversation, to feel sad in that conversation and that we shouldn't be scared of doing that because, you know, I really think that it, it's so much like, oh, push it away, push it away, ignore it, ignore it. And we know that when we do that with emotions, when we try to pretend we're not angry, pretend we're not upset, pretend we're not depressed or whatever it might be, like it, it, the pressure gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until at some point it just explodes. And if instead of feeling that pushing away because we're like, but I don't want to feel that and I don't like I shouldn't feel that and all the strange things and the fear of talking to other people about it or even expressing it right like even expressing anger it's like no you like calm down you can't be angry or pull yourself together you don't be don't be so upset and I think if we just learn to learn that our emotions are all guideposts and that actually it's okay to feel all of those feelings um and it's okay to talk to other people about it and that you know it's okay it, I know it, we've heard it probably a million times but it is okay not to be okay and to share that not okayness and um in in real kind of honest open ways and I think it starts even with something something as simple as when you say hey how are you today oh yeah I'm good or I'm okay it's like are you like are you okay are you good are you not so good and I think even just stopping and questioning that because that in itself people people always do the like 
I'm fine. And I'm mm. always like, what does fine mean? <laughs> are you actually fine? Are you actually good? Are you having a day? You know, are you not so good today? Um, yeah. Even that just opens up conversation. Yes, yes, absolutely. Especially when they're saying I'm fine, but you can tell from their face, facial expression and body language that they are not. Just dig a little bit deeper and, you know, hold that space. Um, I think that processing our emotions is definitely one that's, that has, has a huge impact on our well-being because even as a doctor, sometimes we have really difficult conversations around people's health deteriorating or, um, you know, really heavy conversations that are emotional. And sometimes I'm standing there thinking to myself, how is everyone not in bits? <laughs> how is everyone not crying right now? Um, I remember this story um, where we were in the NICU one time and there was this really sick preterm baby that was bleeding into the lungs. It was really touch and go. They were resuscitating and there was another senior doctor there or senior um yeah, a senior doctor there with, uh, there were lots of people around the bed, which happens when you're resuscitating a baby. And I, I was one of the other senior doctors, um, but there were already a lot of people there. So I was, I was standing back around 12 for help if needed. And at, I think several times they thought they'd lost this baby. And then eventually we got the baby back. Finally stabilized the baby and everyone went off. And the lady who'd been leading the resource, she literally burst into tears. And I held her, I, I held her gaze, sort of trying to project, it's okay, take the time you need. <laughs> so she excused herself when, um, probably had a cup of tea. And then when she came back, she looked at me and said, thank you. Because I thought this was a moment where I could have said, oh, it's okay. Why are you crying? Why are you crying? It's okay. Stop crying. Or I could have said, take the time you need. That was intense. Yeah. Yeah. And because she recognized that I said, you're okay. Take the time you need. She, mm -hmm. That was important for her. Mm -hmm. and I think this is the sort of thing we need to start doing with people where if you need to take a minute, take a minute. Because mm -hmm. sometimes keeping it on the inside is not healthy. Mm -hmm. um, and those are the sort of things that turn into... Um, mental health difficulties later down the line where you feel you cannot express yourself. Yeah. Um, I, I saw someone recently who had obviously tried to end her life and she couldn't even say it. You could see that, that she couldn't even admit. Mm. And I just, I just thought that was sad because are we not given the space that people need to, to really just feel what they're feeling mm. um if you were in school as a teenager and something happened would you feel comfortable enough to actually feel your emotions probably mm. not I don't think we've I don't I think we've we've made that not okay mm. and I just feel that is sad um, what what can we do around things like this? I think really, I think it I think it begins with doing the work on ourselves because I think when we do that and we learn to work with our own emotions and we learn to allow ourselves to cry without feeling shame around it mm -hmm. or we learn to stop judging ourselves so harshly because I think this is the problem right like we often do it to ourselves and, and and is it really effective if we're not walking our own talk because then when we do see someone else who's upset or struggling we don't know what to say because we don't yeah. we we haven't learned how to deal with it ourselves so it still feels scary so you'll be okay you know like a, a perfect example with the story that you just told another person would have easily been responded to that doctor and been you're okay you did a great job like you well done well done like you did this and it's like no she didn't need yeah. that she needed yeah. just to have a minute to be like whoa 
that was big and to just feel it and have a bit of space and then move forward but very often people are like no like you're good like you've got this and it's and so I think like the first step because I think very often we all want to go out there and change the world and we want to change this and change that and it's like well let's just start with ourselves mm. so I think it's looking inwards and going okay how do I feel about emotion how do I judge myself what's the self-talk that I have in my own head day to day to day to day do I support myself am I a cheerleader for myself or do I pull myself apart do I have go-to things that I know that I can do to feel better if I am having a hard time do I feel that I've created relationships whereby I can reach out to someone and say I'm having a really bad day I could really do with a chat is that okay because I think that if we're can we be honest about when we are having a bad day and things don't work right because how often do we show the world this face of like we're sorted and we're organized and we've always got it um and and then well of course that puts more pressure on everyone else to feel that way when actually everybody's human and everyone has bad days and you know certainly when it comes to mental health we can often be talking about far more than a bad day but it might start with a bad day um and, I, and so I just think, I, I think first and foremost, we need to look at ourselves and we need to go, okay, how do I deal with my emotion? How is my mental health? What do I have in my toolbox for me? And how do I give myself permission to feel my emotions? Like how how do I navigate through them so I don't stay stuck in them and I can move forwards? And how do I recognize that my emotions are actually a beautiful part of me and not something that I should um, be ashamed of or judge in any way? Yes, beautiful, beautiful. I love the term toolbox, and we'll get onto that in a second. Um, but you just sort of brought up something that I, I thought I will just make sure to mention. Um, and parents, we do this a lot, don't we, where we don't want to sh- show our children we're having a bad day. Mm. We don't want to talk about it to them. Therefore, how can they learn to admit that actually I had a bad day? Mm. I think we definitely start to model that. Mm then we're teaching them a really important skill mm. of, oh my goodness, I had a bad day. And it, it's okay to to cry, but many of us feel, uh, I don't want to worry my mm. kid. Yeah. And I think there's a fine line between that, right? Because we don't want to put baggage on our kids. We don't want to make them the adult, but equally we want them to see that life isn't always easy and that we fail at things and things go wrong and that we're not perfect and that they're not expected to be perfect either so we need to role model um what we do when things aren't going well when we do have a bad day how do we deal with it when we are you know feeling a load of emotions how do we what do we do with that so it's not about like my day's been terrible and you've like whatever and you know kind of pressure on them but but we can just have honest conversations about what it feels like to have a bad day and we can share experiences and we might share things from our childhood so that they understand I remember you know growing up I I kind of felt especially my mom um she she always just seemed to do everything so well like I would look at her and I'd be like you know I, I kind of felt like she must always have just been the perfect child and teenagers were just amazing. And then she, you know, went and trained as a teacher and she became a teacher and she was head teacher. And it just looked like she always just had it mapped out and she always just did it. And and I, yeah, I, and whenever I saw like pictures of her as a kid, you know, that she was always looking amazing. And so I kind of had this picture of like, oh, like my mom, like this is how life should be. There's no way... I'm so messy and I make so many mistakes and I'm not going to be able to do that. So therefore I'm going to fail and I'm going to make this whole mess in my life. And so, and obviously it wasn't the truth because nobody's perfect. Um, But yeah, I think that, and, and, and she obviously never went out to pretend that she was right. It it was more that her focus was going on keeping us happy and making sure we were okay. And it probably didn't even enter her mind to show that, she did make mistakes all the time and she had made mistakes through her life. Um, and I think that as, you know, as, as generations shift and move, we can, we learn, right. We like, we all do the best that we can with what we have available. And I think that there is now so much more talk about mental health than there was 40 years ago, 60 years ago, whatever it might be. Um, that now like we, we can be way more conscious about it and we can really think about 
how we want to be with our parents and you know for kids for teenagers for young adults watching this as well it's like you can it doesn't matter how what age you are you can start by going how do I work on me and what do I need to get for me and of course especially if you're younger really give yourself permission to get help from others but that again that's any age because we all need help we all need support let's build community around around us where we get to like everyone rises together right yes absolutely all right, so let's talk about our toolbox and the skill we're going to be talking about today. And today we are talking about journaling. Mm. Why, first of all, what is journaling? <laughs> what is journaling? Should, why should we journal? <laughs> well, to be honest, for quite a long time, I misunderstood journaling. Um, I thought that journaling was like keeping a diary. And I remembered when I was at school, especially a teenager, I had some friends who kept diaries like they they had these like awesome diaries, but it was just never my thing. I was like, there is no way I want to sit down after being at school all day and like write a diary about my day. Like it it, like it filled me with dread. Um, So when I first heard about journaling, I was like, oh, God, no, not for me, because uh, I don't do the whole diary thing. That's not me. And, and so I kind of misinterpreted it and thought it was kind of just about writing about our day. And I only really learned what journaling was within my own coaching journey. So I, as I you know, was training to be a coach and being coached, um, I had different coaches who would say, hey, have you tried journaling? I'd be like, eh, no, because I'm not a diary kind of a person. Um, Anyway, eventually I got out of my own way (laughs) and I realized that journaling was so much more powerful than that. And so I think journaling is um, a way of working with ourselves. And there are so many different ways that you can utilize journaling. And I think that's one of the amazing things about it. You don't need anybody else. It can give you a huge amount of insight. It can also be really comforting and you can use it as a tool to explore your emotions and then move you forwards into a better feeling place. And so I think that there are so many different kind of techniques within journaling that we can use and it's about finding the right journaling technique for you. Mm. And it's recognizing that journaling doesn't need to be writing it in a diary um it you can speak you can have audio journals you can have video journals um you can do it in ways that work for you so you know for a person who really struggles with writing there are other ways that you can do it but then there's different styles of journaling so um one of the, the probably the first way that i began journaling was journaling to kind of create the reality i desired um so it was kind of writing out the way that I wanted my life to be. So it's kind of going, you know, like I am this person and I feel this way and I'm doing these things. And I found that really, really powerful because until I tried that, I was very much stuck in a bit of a loop around what wasn't working. And and I have, you know, from as early on as I can remember in life, I naturally was a cup half full person like I was the person who was like oh but as opposed to oh yay so I would always see more of the downside than the positive side it was just like I don't know whether it was uh, I don't know whether that's something in our genes or in how we brought up probably a mixture of both um so I would always look at like the this won't work or or whatever like and so I needed a tool to help me actually focus on the positive and what could be rather than on the negative and what might go wrong. And so that was probably the journaling technique that I used at the beginning to kind of write out the reality that I desired. And that was super powerful for me because it changed my focus. It made me focus on what I wanted rather than what I didn't want. Um, And by writing that out, it meant it what happens is it kind of activates our reticular activating system so that we then see more of those opportunities. And it's like, our life gets more on track and becomes more of what we want it to be. So it's not some magical woo-woo thing. It's actually like super scientific, but our brains will focus on the thing that we tell them to focus on. And when we're doing this kind of future journaling and creating the reality that we desire, we're literally tuning our brains into what it needs to be noticing so that we see the opportunities and we take the action and it begins to shift our identity. So we start to see ourselves as that person. Yes. Um, so that's one style of, of journaling and that's what first got me into journaling and I found it really, really powerful. 
And then I kind of got a bit bored of it because I've been doing it for a while and I was a bit like, oh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Um, and and so I played with different kinds of journaling and, and I realized that actually there are so many different ways that we can journal. We can journal just to be with our feelings. We can journal just to notice what's going on for us. You know, um, last week I was away in Centre Parks and I had a little mini meltdown one day because I was just feeling a bit of pressure um, around trying to keep everybody happy. And um, I got my journal out, literally, I, I still write in a journal every day. Like this is, I use different journals all the time. And, you know, it, it can be super messy. My writing in my journals is is messy. It's not some neat, beautiful thing. But um, I got my journaling out and I the, literally I, I asked myself a question and I answered it. So this is a, like a, another type of journaling. You ask a question and then you answer it. So the question that I asked was like, what am I feeling right now? And what's really going on? I was like, what am I feeling right now? So I answered it for myself to gain that clarity. Actually, like I'm feeling pressured because I feel like I'm trying to keep everybody happy. Like I want everyone to have a lovely holiday, but it means I'm trying to keep the peace. And when this person wants to do that and this person wants to do that, I'm trying to like organize it all. And like, so it feels like it's on me, but everyone to have a nice holiday. Oh, okay. Next question. Why do you feel like it's on you? How can you let go of the responsibility a little bit? Well, okay. So do you see what I mean? You kind of write out the question, then you write the answer and you get so much more clarity. So it really helps you understand the feelings that you're feeling. Because sometimes, you know, when we are feeling frustrated or we're feeling angry or we're feeling upset or we've just got like a ton of emotion, we can't even name it sometimes because it's a combination of so many different feelings sometimes we don't really know what's going on, right? Sometimes it's like, oh, I feel all of these feelings and I don't know why. Like my daughter being 10 right now, she's at that age where her hormones are doing all kinds of things and she will often say to me like, oh, and she, her little code word is emotions. She'll go, oh, emotions, mommy. <laughs> I'll be like, I know, I know, tell me about it. Like what's what's going on? Um, mm. But sometimes we can't even name the emotions because it feels like there's this whole big, mixing yes. out of it yes. so that style of journaling can really help it's kind of how you'd have a coaching session with someone or how you'd have a conversation with someone like you write out the question then you write out the answer um and what's really powerful about that is it brings clarity it lets you kind of vent a little bit because we all feel better when we have like an opportunity to get a um, well we can do that without needing another person we can do it in here and no one else sees it and then it allows us to shift it and be like well how do I want to feel instead and what might I want to do differently and do I need to have a conversation with someone or like you know what can I do so that tomorrow is a better day um, so it allows us to kind of go through this journey of what's going on and how am I feeling what do I need to just like let out and then okay what am like what do I want to actually do about this so that things can move forwards and I can feel better yes. um, and I found that again so powerful because it felt like it might sound a little bit sad but it felt like I had like a best friend in a journal <laughs> someone who was always there that I could literally just take myself away give myself five minutes and especially you know if, if you've got young kids and you're busy and you're juggling lots of things like this is something that can take just a few minutes and can really help just reset you and help make you feel a lot better. Um, so that's kind of a second journaling technique that I've used a lot and uh, again, super powerful. And then since then, I've played and explored with all different kinds because the truth is like the sky is not even the limit in terms of what you can do with your journaling. And um, I'm really interested in things like archetypes. So I've explored archetypes through my journaling. I even tried, um, and uh, I went through a little phase as, as a kid, I used to love like little Miss and Mr. Men books and things. Um, and I thought it'd be quite fun to kind of name some of the different, because we all have these different parts of ourselves, right? Not in a schizophrenic way, but we have, you know, the different elements the different archetypes that live within us and so I played with those archetypes in terms of little myths so I did some journaling for a while that was focusing on like the little miss archetypes within me so like hey like what little miss is here today today it's little miss happy because I'm feeling like this or today it's little miss um stubborn because I'm feeling really annoyed or today it's little miss and and sometimes I found that the different parts of me could actually have conversations so I'd be like well maybe uh, one day there might be like little miss it's not fair <laughs> and little miss it's not fair might want to talk to another part so you, you know there's so many different ways that you can play with journaling and it doesn't have to feel 
boring and heavy and it doesn't have to feel like oh, I'm right you know all my emotions and all like the negative things and that can work and sometimes you know people want to just have something that they can be like like this is how I'm feeling and just want to just put it on paper but that's definitely not all that journaling is and there's so many different ways that you can use it um so many different techniques you can use and I honestly believe that I, I for me journaling has been the number one mindset tool um I have gone to since I began using it 14 13 14 years ago that I've gone to time and time and time and time again um and it's been an incredible support in my life both to help me with times that have felt more difficult but also to help step me into you know the person that I want to be and the business that I want to build and the life that I want to have and it's really helped like it's helped me create that yes yes I think that's just amazing the fact that you can be feeling a certain way you have a journaling session with yourself and come up feeling amazing on the other yeah. side um I definitely recommend that as well because that's seen me through a lot um it certainly helped me vent when I felt I couldn't vent to anyone around me um and yes I think this is an amazing tool and for teenagers who are just starting another way that you can even start out is to journal about what your values are because it really um, saddens me when I see patients who thought maybe because a boyfriend cheated on them, they want to stick their own life. They obviously don't have an understanding of what's important to them. They haven't had that time to really understand that, you know, life is precious and this are the things that I'm leaving for. And I think that's a protective strategy as well, isn't it? Because when we when we talk to, to patients who are um, feeling suicidal, some of the things we think about are, okay, what's protective in this person's life? Um, are there dreams that you're looking forward to? Are there hobbies you have? Are there friends and family you love? And even just starting there and saying, this is important to me and this is what I want in my life and this is you know what what keeps me going if even if you start there then you won't get to the point where you will think it's worth giving it all all up for just because something didn't go right yeah I think um kind of a gratitude a gratitude journal is a really easy place to start um and even just by writing out a couple of things that you're grateful for every day three or four things that you're grateful for every day that can be really helpful because I think the truth is, I mean, I remember this, you must remember this as well. When you are a teenager and when you are going through that, it does feel like it's the end of your world. Like I remember, I, I remember the heartbreak that I felt when, um, when a boyfriend cheated on me. And I remember um, the just fear that I felt around, um, if I failed at my GCSEs and how I could screw my whole life up because of that. And like, I can certainly think back to certain parts, you know, and, and certain kind of things that happened as a teenager. And it felt so big. It felt so big and so real. And I really couldn't imagine that there was all of this life left to live. And of course I was going to have more boyfriends and more relationships and way better ones. And of course I was going to have incredible opportunities. But there, then I felt like literally the rest of my life counts on this. And if I can't have a relationship now, I'm going to be by myself forever and no one will ever want to be with me. And if I don't pass my exams now, I'm never going to be able to get a job. And like, I literally had the, the, the fears, like they were big at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and and I think it's hard to, when you're in that, it's hard to see past it. So I think, you know, if possible, beginning journaling when you're actually feeling good is a really good yes. start because then it's always, as you say, preventative, right? Mm -hmm. And I think taking a moment to recognize what you are grateful for, mm -hmm. no matter how how hard life is, there's always something to be grateful for, right? Even if it's just like the sun rising in the morning because actually how beautiful is the sun and how lucky are we to get to see that and and feel that on our faces and bringing it back to the little things because I think that 
especially gratitude journaling, I, I struggled with it at the beginning because I felt like it needed to be big things or I felt like it needed to be the same things like I'm grateful for my family and I'm grateful for this. And, I'm gra- and I was like, oh, and, and I, of course, I'm grateful for my family. And of course, but I wasn't like really connecting into it. Mm. And I was thinking it had to be big things. And so, you know, therefore, if the big things weren't working, it felt hard to be grateful for them. And what I realized was the more that I can be grateful for little small things that actually are really important to me, and the more I can like not just write it, but really feel the feelings of that, like yes. the more like that makes a really big difference. So things like like smelling my daughter's hair like I don't know if you parents will know this like when you've got your child and and you just yeah. like you just smell yeah. them like oh my gosh like just being able to have like oh I'm grateful for this like yes, <laughs> yes absolutely and I'm grateful for like the grass under my feet and I'm grateful yeah. for the milk that I was able to put in my coffee today because yesterday it was gone off and you know <laughs> I think be like being grateful can be the really little things yes. not so much the material things um and especially as teenagers if we can start actually noticing and bringing our awareness to those little things that are actually really good and just like you know it is things like actually tasting the chocolate and being like it's, it's actually delicious yeah. um <laughs> and i think if we can do that then we're off to like a winning start because yeah. Um, because no matter how hard things get you can f- still find the appreciation and the gratitude in something and, and I think if you can begin a practice like that and it's something that I we do regularly with kids so you know at the dinner table while we're on holiday hey what's everyone feeling grateful for like what's what are you just feeling really good about right now and you know just having those conversations so that it becomes more of a norm that's a really good place to start absolutely and and the fact that you start doing that before you ever run into any trouble or you know any mental health issues um and that becomes a habit mm-hmm. so you do it automatically without even thinking you know that's already an amazing way to get you to a healthy place if you're already used to doing it every yeah. evening a journal like about what i'm grateful for um i think that's those habits are powerful things to have yeah so i'm gonna start wrapping up but this has been amazing <laughs> claire do you, you have any final words for our listeners i just think it's remembering that it's okay to feel what you're feeling you don't need to feel ashamed find someone to talk to because i guarantee people who there are people around you who would want to be there if they knew. Like, I guarantee, even if you don't see it right now, there are. Um, and I think, yeah, don't be afraid to reach out and get help. And also, if you can, like, just note, like, notice. Let people know that you've seen them, you know? Because I think that's it. We want, especially if we're going through difficult times, we want to be seen. Like, part of us doesn't because we don't want people to know that we're not okay and we can, like, really try to hide it from the world. And certainly when I think back to being a teenager, I had this kind of dual thing going on, whereas on one part, I didn't want anyone to know that I wasn't okay. But on the other hand, I desperately wanted someone to notice and be like, Claire, let how can I help what's going on and so it was this weird like I'm pretending I'm okay I'm pretending I'm okay I'm pretending I'm okay and I was like but someone please notice someone please. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that so I think the more that we can just notice and we can ask and we can be honest and we can have open conversations about feelings and we don't walk on eggshells because that's not helpful at all. And we think about our toolbox and we begin with working with ourselves. I think all of those are amazing things to do. Um, and I think it's important to remember that anyone can go through really difficult mental health issues at any point in their life. And it doesn't mean anything about you as a person. It doesn't mean that you're less capable or less successful or less able or any of those stories that we can tell ourselves when we're feeling that way or or if you've got a child who's going through it like it doesn't mean that you've made a mistake like it's actually part of life that most people experience at least once possibly multiple times um and it's and I think it's like an area that 
um, we that actually on the other side of it, there's so much beauty and so much depth. And when I think about my own personal development journey, I see the world through such different eyes now. And I'm so grateful for that. So actually, I've always been a, a very sensitive person. And that meant that I struggled myself with mental health because everything felt bigger, scarier, harder, um, more abrasive. But actually, I realize now that it is my greatest gift because I get to experience like life almost in technical, you know. Um, and it's the most incredible thing. And when you're going through it, it might feel like you're never going to get through it, but you will if you just keep on going. And what's available on the other side is so, so beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Claire, for being with us today and sharing your heart and sharing all of the amazing experience that you've had with us. Thank you so much for joining me. I will see you next time on Skills for Mental Health. Take care, everyone. Bye. Thanks, E.B. Thank you. Now that brings us to the end of the first episode of the Harmony and Healing Project. Thank you so much for joining us. I'd like you to do me a favor, please. Would you share this episode with everyone you know that has a teenager? Also, subscribe. And I'd like to invite you to become a mental health champion for your teenager. If you click the link below for a small monthly subscription, I'm gonna be sending you weekly activities that you can do so your teenager can start incorporating these strategies into their daily activities. How awesome is that? See you next time on another episode. Now go out there, master your mind and thrive in community. Bye for now.